Hey everyone, this is Tell the Truth Radio. I'm your host, Ron Fitch, and I'm going to have to tell the truth. There's a lot going on in the world of sports. Uh, we're going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys and their loss and all the comings and goings in the NFL, NBA, all that good stuff. We're going to talk about the Cowboys Seahawks first. I want to preface this before I get into the Cowboys game. They're one of the best and most talented one and two teams in the NFL. I got an older brother named Mike, Mike Fitch. He's going to be very mad at me for saying anything nice about the Cowboys, but this is Tell the Truth Radio. I have to tell the truth. They're very talented. What's going on with them as far as making silly mistakes? I don't – when I watch them, I'm like, what? But – they're still very talented, even though they're one and two. I have to say that. So I know I'm going to get a text from him saying, why did you say that on your show? Because sometimes I'll say things like, why did you say that? And he's going to say, I'm going to explain. Very soon, I'm going to explain why the Cowboys are the most talented one and two team in the league. The problem is with the Cowboys is they play the Seattle Seahawks. Let me look at the list of mistakes they made. You you leave Lockett over for a touchdown. There's a stupid safety because Zeke Elliott tripped. It's, I don't know if he tripped over his lineman or his own two feet, so he couldn't get out of the end zone. You have two missed extra points. So now you got to go for two, and you missed the two-point conversion. Poor execution on the last drive. Zeke had a lot of drops for screen passes, easy drop passes. Tyler Lockett, I can explain on the first touchdown to Tyler Lockett that gave the Seattle Seahawks a 7-3 lead. I can break this down real fast. Tyler Lockett runs a go route. DK Metcalf breaks off his route to to a post route. Four Cowboys cover DK Metcalf. No one covers Lockett. So Lockett runs free for a touchdown. That made no sense. Then the safety. So it's nine to three. But the Cowboys come right back down. I mean, in an explosive fashion, come right back down the field. Zeke Elliott scores. They missed the extra points. It was nine to nine. The Seahawks throw a 62-yard bomb to DK Metcalf. is going to score. He profiles before he gets in zone, gets the ball smacked out of his hands. And it goes in the end zone, and Seattle doesn't score. And Russell Wilson shows you why, how great he is. He went up to DJ. He goes up to DJ Metcalf and said, "Listen, all the great players finish off plays, so you, I need you to finish off your plays because I need you to be great because you are great. But for you to be great, you got to finish off plays." After the game, DJ Metcalf said how much he appreciated that kept him in the game, and they're gonna need him because I'm gonna tell you why toward the end of this segment. The but the Seahawks end up getting a score off a uh, – they end up scoring, and then the Cowboys score right back. And then the Dak Prescott interception, and then Seattle comes right back before the half to score to make it 22-15. to 15. Because the Cowboys scored, they missed the second extra point. Okay, start the second half, they fumble. Seattle gets it in their own territory, Dallas territory, score to make it 30 to 15. All right, 
Cowboys, and, and this, this is how explosive the Cowboys are. Dak Prescott, 10 yard uh, pass to Michael Gallup. And then they're going right down the field. Amari Cooper, and then uh, the Cowboys end up getting the ball and scoring a touchdown. Cedric Wilson, who's the fourth string wide receiver, 42 yard touchdown pass, 30 to 22. And here come the Cowboys again in the fourth quarter. They're going to look to tie the score. So they end up, and this is the Cowboys. Gallup. Uh, long touchdown pass. Ties the game. Well, they, they kick the extra point. Then they come back down, and they try a two-point conversion. They miss. But then the Cowboys get the ball back again after the Gallup touchdown. And they don't, they don't convert. They're 30 to 28. They come back down to make it 31 to 30. They're leading. So they come back down the field, but they could have scored a touchdown. They didn't. And you left time for Russell Wilson, 349. They go all the way down the field, convert a fourth down, third and three at the 29, 29-yard touchdown pass to D.J. Metcalf, the guy that was discouraged. But Russell Wilson encouraged him. Very important. They end up taking the lead, take, getting a two-point conversion. But in my mind, I'm like, all right. They're da Dallas is down seven, 38-31. Dallas is going to come back. They come right back down the field. And I said, because Seattle was losing players. They didn't have Adams at safety. So the Cowboys got so much talent, they're going to come down and tie the score. They go all the way down the field, and then they break down. The offensive line gives up a sack. Then on fourth down, they give up another a potential sack, but Dak Prescott miraculously gets, gets out of that and then throws an interception. Could throw it away and live to fight another day. But he throws an interception and Seattle wins a game. And Dallas is just, Dallas is a better team than Seattle. Seattle's hurting. Dallas has talent across the board. And this is my explanation why Dallas is one of the best one or two teams in the league, which means nothing. But they're still going to win the division, but they can't be a Super Bowl team making these stupid mistakes. There, you have Zeke Elliott, who didn't play well. Dak Prescott, who had over 400 yards passing. You have Amari Cooper. Yeah, now you have Wilson. You have Gallup. You have CeeDee Lamb, who was balling now. Your tight end, Schultz, is playing good. You've got Alden Smith, who's unblockable. You have Lawrence. You have Raekwon Smith. Uh, you're the the secondary played lousy, but you got talent on the secondary. The secondary hasn't played good. That's the biggest problem with the Cowboys. The secondary has underachieved with the talent that I, I, I do like. So they've underachieved. Mike McCarthy, man, you got to take some hits on this. Now, speaking of hits, I'm going to be a little critical of the Saints. They lost to the Green Bay Packers 37-30. to I'm going to break this game down. The game didn't take shape until the third quarter. Near the end of the half, uh, Sanders gets a touchdown pass, and the Saints are in good shape. They're up 17 to 10. And then Green Bay comes back down, and they come and they take 17 to 12, I'm sorry. They, and Green Bay comes down, and Aaron Rodgers is just straight balling. 72-yard pass to Alan Lazard, and it was a thing of beauty. Then they end up scoring 20 to uh, 17. They're leading. The Saints, it's just dink and dunk. Dink, 
dink and dunk. Drew Brees not getting the ball down the field. I know Michael Thomas is not there, but you have Saunders, Sanders, and then you also have Tariq Smith. You have guys that, are, that can get out there, but he, he, they can't get down the field. So it's, it's dink and dunk and dink and dunk all the way down the field. They, got, they end up kicking a field goal. And Green Bay comes right down the field because Aaron Rodgers is not dinking and dunking. I'm going to tell you right now. Okay. And he throws an 18 yard pass to Mercedes Lewis. And they end up taking a 27 to 20. And New Orleans comes back down the field, but it's dink and dunk. And he dinks a pass to Alvin Kamara, who makes an amazing run 52 yard touchdown run on a screen pass. A lot of missed tackles by Green Bay. They end up tying the score. And this is what really ruined the Saints. I can tell you right now, the Saints commit a, a fourth and down. Aaron Jones gets stopped. So now Green Bay has momentum. They have a ball to Green Bay 48, and they get too cute. Tyson Hill fakes the uh, handoff and doesn't really secure the ball, gets stripped, and Green Bay gets the ball. And to New Orleans' credit, they hold him to a field goal, 30 to 27. But then now – and I'm saying to myself, Green Bay is going to flood the zone. And when I say flood the zone, I mean they're going to bring all their safeties and cornerbacks up to dare Breeze to go deep. And they couldn't. So they, there was nowhere to throw the ball. And they ended up having to punt. And Green Bay went right down the field. Boom, boom, boom. Aaron Rodgers, one-yard touchdown pass. And that's game. And Aaron Rodgers is amazing. Now, Green Bay. Woo! Green Bay is playing on a high high, high, A-plus level. Solid defensively. Aaron Rodgers is ridiculous. 21 of 32, 283 yards, 129 QB rating. My gosh. The Saints is just too much dink and dunk. I don't know if they don't trust Breeze. He's a little older. But you're not you're not getting the longest pass other than the screen pass, was a 10-yard pass to Murray. And that's not going to cut it when you're trying to compete with the Tampas and the Green Bays and the Seattles of the world. And when I look at the rest of the league, I looked at the Rams and Bills. The Rams were down big to the Bills. The Bills were tearing the Rams to pieces with Singletary, Allen just, just making some amazing throws. Uh, he throws to Stephon Diggs with a 4 yard touchdown pass. It's 28 to 3. Rams wake up and they're moving the ball and they ended up scoring a touchdown. And then this weird interception. Um, John Johnson III snatched the ball away from Tyler Croft. Rams take advantage of it. 22 yard touchdown pass, Jared Goff the Woods. And the Rams are a, tight, a rhythm type of team. So they get into a type of rhythm. And, and you, you like how they start to move the ball. Uh, they stopped Buffalo because Aaron Donald's starting to blow up the Buffalo offense. And the Rams get the ball again. Golf, Cooper Cup, 16 yards, touchdown, <clears throat> two-point conversion. So it's 28-25. And the Aaron Donald sacks, strip sacks Josh Allen. So now the Rams have the ball to Buffalo 37 and come all the way down the field. Is only the Rams can. They score, take a 32-28 lead. And the Buffalo Bills are moving the ball. They converted a third and 25. It's fourth and eight. 
and it's a bad pass interference penalty call, and then Buffalo ends up scoring. Um, it was not a good call, but see, the Rams got away with a bad call against the Cowboys. This call was worse. I don't think this was pass interference at all, but Buffalo takes advantage and wins, and they're undefeated. And the Texans, I mean, the Steelers and the Titans end up taking care of business. And the Bears are undefeated because of Nick Foles. And Atlanta blew another 15-point lead. I'm firing Quinn today. I'm not wasting any more time. There should be some pink slips. The Texans coach, because there's a lot of talent to be winless. They did not score a point against Pittsburgh in the second half. The Jets coach and uh, – Texans coach is the Jets coach and Dan Quinn of Atlanta. I'd fire them in season, which you normally don't do in football. All right, it's report card time. I'm giving out grades. This is my A plus. These are my A plus teams. Kansas City and Baltimore. I'm gonna break that down in a minute. Green Bay is my A plus, and Seattle. Those are my A plus teams. A minus New England. They destroyed the Raiders. They ran down the Raiders' throat. Between Burkett and Sonny Michelle, who had over 100 yards, they outraided the Raider. They they gave John Gruden a taste of his own medicine, and they destroyed the uh, Oakland Raiders. My B plus teams, Pittsburgh and Tennessee, they're playing good, but they're playing good at spurts. Tennessee did not play good run defense at all yesterday. Uh, Dalvin Cook almost had 200 yards rushing, but they're undefeated. And, and the Steelers and the Titans play each other, so somebody's going to play their way into that a. A-plus category. The Rams are a B-plus. And Tennessee, uh, well, my B-plus, other B-plus teams, Rams, because they lost, but they're going to be upset. So they might take it on the Giants, unfortunately. My B-minus team is Chicago, because I'm not overly impressed, because they could have lost all three games. Lions drop a pass that would have won the game. Atlanta blows another game. And Daniel Jones had, if he had some more time, they'd have beat the Bears. Cleveland Moved up to a B-minus team. Indy, Indianapolis has very a physical team with, with Phillip Rivers. Arizona lost. I still have them in the B-minus area. Now, before I get into the NBA, I'm going to break down Baltimore and Kansas City. You're talking about two quarterbacks at this point in time that are playing flawless football. I'll, I'll, I'll give you some stats really quick. Mahomes. 51 of 79, 513, five TDs, zero interceptions. Lamar, 479, four TDs, zero interceptions. So they're playing efficiently. Hilaire is rushing the ball well. Uh, Ravens do run by committee. They, and Jackson is their guy. But, you know, Ingram, uh, J.K. Dobbins, who's another weapon. The Hollywood Brown is really playing well. So they're, they're really playing well. The Chiefs are playing pretty good because they haven't, ex, they haven't had a pass, have one pass over 20 yards this year. They need to ex, try to exploit a younger, very good Baltimore defense, but they're young. You know, they have, uh, they have youth across the board, but they're very good young players. And then you have their stout up front because they're better at stopping the run. So if Hilaire doesn't get going, Home, uh, Mahomes has to have time to throw the ball. 
And that's where the, I think the Ravens will win because they're going to get to Mahomes a little bit. They're home. They're due. They lost two close games to Kansas City. They're due. I got the Ravens winning this game tonight. People are going to put them in the Super Bowl. I'm not putting them in the Super Bowl after this win because you got Indianapolis. You got Buffalo. Uh, I'll even throw Pittsburgh in there. You got teams that are underneath the Chiefs and the Ravens that are chomping at the bit to try to prove their worth. And that's the landscape of football. I got the Ravens winning tonight. Now, in the NBA, the Miami Heat, I'm going to tell you something. Very impressed. Very impressed. It was a blood and guts win last night. Uh, I can tell you the biggest sequence. Iguodala went off a little bit in the third quarter. So they had a lead. The Celtics come back, and they come back by playing really good pressure defense, stealing the ball from Tyler Hero and Drogic three times. I saw three times where he stole the ball and got layups out of it. And they were really attacking Hero. And Hero was struggling the last two games. He was struggling. Hero woke up in the fourth quarter, which shows me he's got poise to play bad in the pressure situation in the fourth quarter make some very big shots. And I could give you the sequence that ended the Celtics season. The Celtics, the, he, he get a stop. Duncan Robinson hits a three foot, a 26 three point shot, foot three point shot, 107 102. Tyler Hero drives in the lane, gets a layup. They're up seven. Then he finishes them off with another layup at 331 mark in the fourth quarter, a driving four foot floating bank shot in the lane. 112 to 102. And the Heat never look back. And the Heat, they have grit. They have toughness. I'm going to tell you the difference. I like what Charles Barkley and Shaq said. The Celtics were playing borderline hero ball. They were playing team ball, but it was like, okay, you take over, Smart. You take over, Walker. You take over, Tatum. You take over, Jalen Brown. Your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. I agree with what they said. My Heat, everything was predicated off team ball. Even Butler turned down shots to, to try to get better shots. The pure team ball that Eric Spolstra plays. He said this is his fifth NBA Finals. Hey, I don't think he got no credit for the ones he did with LeBron when he went to four straight. He's back. And he's coached, he coached a little better than Brad Stevens. And he's back in the Finals, and he deserved it. And Miami's got a lot of toughness, and they're going to need it because L.A. Lakers – and they finished off, and I, and I told you Saturday, they were going to finish off the Denver Nuggets in five. And I knew that LeBron wanted to get rid of them. This wasn't the Clippers. You were playing a guy that's on a mission, him and Davis and the rest of the team. And Frank Vogel, I'm glad he's, he gets credit for being a really good coach. And he's going to get his credit. But LeBron was just, he was just outstanding, making shot after shot after shot. And he was he was big in the fourth quarter. And he had a turnaround fade that put him up. Then he hit a three-pointer that put him up 11 with 233 left, and he celebrated. And he was outstanding, and he took the game over. <clears throat> Sometimes he likes to pass, and he'll score if there's a layup. He just said, you know what? 
I'm finishing these dudes. I'm not giving these guys a chance. They've come back from 3-1 twice. It's not happening. And that's what the great ones do. That's what the Magics, the Kobe's, and the Birds, and all, I'll name them all. They know how to get you out when they have a chance to send you home. And, and, and that's what he did. There's a lot of things, I think, that goes into the equation of LeBron James. He saw the last dance. Everybody, because everybody, oh, LeBron, they're younger. He's the great. Younger people start to say, wow, Jordan is because Jordan has more intangibles. He's a little more tougher. Uh, he wins. He's super clutch. Nobody in, this, nobody in league history is more clutch than that guy. I don't think anyone will ever be. So it was just a lot of attention before the season started back up in the bubble. So I, I think LeBron felt a certain way, like, you know what? I want to win this title so some of that attention comes back to me because he does like attention. Uh, he's, he's an attention guy, good or bad, good and bad. So he wants that attention back. He's got it back, but he wants to win this title. He can't. He don't want three and six. He don't want three and seven. I mean, if he loses, forget that. He wants to at least be number two in the conversation. I'm not putting them over Jordan if they win because they're supposed to win. But this is the problem with this series. The mind he could care less about the LA Lakers. Bam on Bam is going to guard AD hard. They're going to come right after him defensively. They don't have the offense that Denver has, but they're smart on offense and they have a better defense. And they're going to D up. Butler's going to get up in LeBron and dare him to try to go around him. And LeBron's going to go around him, and Bam is going to be there to block shots. They take charges. LA's going to have to make shots. I think what Spolster's going to do is pack it in and dare LA to shoot. And if they make shots, he's going to be like, God bless you. He's going to tell the guys, if we play his own and defend, we win. Plain and simple. We zone it, pack it in, and then rebound. Because it's hard to rebound sometimes out of the zone. LA's one of the best offensive rebound teams in the league. And they get a lot of their points off of offensive rebounds. So he's going to say, rebound and zone. We'll play man sometime, but zone him up. Dare Caruso and KCP and LeBron and AD, you can all have – I know you shoot it okay, but you all have your shots. But you're not getting inside and you're not scoring on made baskets. That, that's not happening. For L.A., they got to chase Tyler Hero off the three-point line. You must chase Tyler – you must treat Tyler Hero like he's their number one option. Butler, you defend Butler because he's probably going to still get his, but Tyler Hero is the one that can hurt you. Duncan Robinson, the hero, have to be chased off the three-point line. Take their airspace away. And Boston didn't do that. I saw Duncan Robinson have the ball, look at his defender, then raise up and shoot over him. If Duncan Robinson has a ball, you get as close to Duncan Robinson as you humanly can without fouling him and make that joke a drive to the basket. And, and L.A., is their three-point shooting defense will be the key. And their ability to get second shots during the zone, which will come. But I'm going to have time to break. I'm going to try to do a show Wednesday to break all that down. I got a young man who's a Heat fan, and we'll get to debate since I'm a Laker fan. We'll get to debate that um, in the future. But Major League Baseball is set now, and my Cubbies play the Marlins. The Dodgers play Milwaukee. The Yankees play Cleveland. There's so many really good matchups in the first round that Twins, who I root very hard for, 
play the, the Astros. I don't say I like or dislike teams when it comes or people. I don't try to like the I really dislike the Astros. I'm rooting hard for the Astros. <clears throat> the way they cheated and they cheated. And, and, and I'm gonna be on the Astros for the next two years. Until I get until I see Manford put an Astros on that fake championship they won, which I'll never acknowledge. I'll always be on the Astros. So I'll be rooting hard for the twins in that series. Blue Jays, Rays. I, I think the Rays are the favorite to come out. I like their pitching. I like their clutch contact hitting. Everybody's swinging for the fences, but the, the, but the Rays have good contact hitters. White Sox and Athletics, two up-and-coming teams. Uh, the National League is Cubs, Marlins, Braves, Reds. I like the Braves. Padres, Cardinals. I like the Cardinals. And Brewers, Dodgers. And I like the Dodgers, but you know what? With the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Braves, you're, and even the Rays, if you're the favorite, <clears throat> this is rough because it's only three games. And all the underdog has to do is win two, and you're home, and that's your end of your season. So if the Dodgers and the other favorites get past that first round, I go with chalk. I like the Dodgers and the Braves, the Rays. I don't, I'm not sure how I want to go with that. I want to see how this plays out first. But I have to. I believe I'm pick the Rays to go to worst. I really want to pick the Yankees. I don't trust them. They got to get past Cleveland in Cleveland. Now listen. The Cleveland Yankee matchup Tuesday is as good as you get because you got Jared Cole and Shane Bieber. If you don't know who Shane Bieber is, you're going to find out Tuesday. So that's a great matchup. Um, then when it comes to college football, the two best teams I see in the country are Alabama and Florida. It's not even close. I mean, it's hard to tell early in the season. I'm going to need a a, a more of a body of work to really see all the teams and the sleeper teams because you got to have the Big Ten involved too. They're not involved yet, but the two best teams, I see Alabama won 38-19 in Missouri and Florida beat an improving Mrs. Ole Miss team with Lane Kiffin, their coach, 51-35. Uh, Trash looked great. I, I've always been a big fan of him. Uh, Florida's getting physical. They look like the Urban Meyer Florida now. And Bama's Bama. I, I'm going to put Clemson up there. I need to see Clemson. They've got Miami in a couple weeks. I'm going to see where Clemson is. But Alabama and Florida are like the two best teams in the country. Yeah, of course, Clemson's Clemson. I'll throw Clemson up there. Everybody's like, wow, LSU got upset. LSU lost a ton of players in the NFL. Players opted out because of the coronavirus. They don't have uh, their best receiver, Chase. Their quarterback is a pedestrian quarterback at best. From what I see, uh, Brennan was okay. He threw a, a couple Hail Mary plays, got touchdowns off it. And their defense is decimated because they don't have the guys. So it's going to take a while. I'm going to give LSU a pass this year. Um, you know they're going to be better. I, I trust Ur Coach O, Ergeron. But I like Mississippi State. They're KJ Costello, 623 yards, five touchdowns. My God, he, he matched what Russell Wilson did with his five touchdowns. So I like uh, I like Mississippi State. I love the SEC West, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, um, Alabama, Auburn. Auburn won against Kentucky. 
But the East is pretty good. Kentucky's good. Tennessee is better. Georgia's always in it. Florida's going to beat Georgia this year. I think uh, Georgia takes a slight step back. Florida's good. So that so the SEC is just – no one's better than the SEC. They're stacked to the rim. Now, before I leave, I want to give a shout-out to the Charlo brothers in boxing. Uh, Jamal and Jamel. Jamal uh, won his middleweight title. Jamal Charlo needs to fight Canelo. Stop playing around. Make the deal. Get the deal done. Oh, Canelo beat I don't – prove it to me. Get him in the ring and get Charlo in the ring and let that fight happen. I don't hear all this garbage about – well, it won't be competitive. How do you know? I believe it's going to be very competitive. I, I believe that's going to be the toughest fight for Canelo because Canelo got past Jacobs, and he didn't knock him out. He was able to get past him, and this is a tougher challenge. He's younger, and he's hungry, and he, he believes he can beat Canelo, and Canelo believes he can beat him. So let's get the fight on. Enough with the night, all the money and all. Forget Figure it out. And then Jamal, I mean, Jamil Charlo, I'm sorry, I get them wrong. The junior middleweight champ, he beat Rosario with a perfectly timed body shot. Uh, it was, he knocked him down, so his equilibrium wasn't good to begin with Rosario. And then he hit him with a perfect body jab that popped him in the ribs. And he fell down. He went through convulsions. I started to get scared. But then he got up. He was all right. He, I think Jamel is going to fight her next because he cleaned up the division. He beat everybody in the junior division. I mean, there's up and coming fighters, but we'll see. Well, had a lot of fun doing the show. Looking forward to doing Wednesday. You got all the major league playoffs. It's funny, my Cubs and my Lakers play in the playoffs on the same day. That's going to be weird. And then uh, it's, it's, it's just a great time in sports. So I'm, I'm gonna have a lot of fun, and we get more guests, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go to the next level. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, everybody! It's the Coast to Coast Radio Show. I'm your host Ron Fitch, and today we're gonna break down the World Series, the big matchup between LSU and Auburn, the NFL action. There's some some key games. And my thoughts on the NBA so far. Right now, let's get right to the World Series. That was a big win by the Houston Astros. They did what they had to do. And I'm going to show you why they won. Uh, I had picked the Nationals to win in six. A little nervous about that pick, but I'm going to stay with the Nationals. I'm going to show you the blueprint of how they can win in six. But the Astros did what they had to do. And they show you their medal. They show you their champion's heart. They'll show you what they're made of, and, and I'm, I'm going to tell you why they won. They, they got out to an early lead, down 2-0, getting blown out the last game, and, and getting that lead, Riddick getting a single with Correa scoring, and then Brantley reaching on an infield single. And I'm going to tell you something about Brantley. Brantley is very difficult to get out because he fouls your strike three pitches off, he foul pitches. He foul pitches off until he gets his pitch. You either walk him or he's going to hit what he wants to hit. So you almost have to hope that he hits the ball to somebody because striking out is probably not an option. And he reached an infield single, two zip. But the Nationals kept 
getting runners on base, but they couldn't break through on Granky. They broke through in the fourth. Uh, Robles triples, Zimmerman scores, but they couldn't get that key hit. And what I thought the Washington Nationals were trying to do, they were trying too hard. It wasn't that they were striking out with the sabermetrics and launch angle like the Yankees and Dodgers and teams like the Cubs do, but they were trying too hard. They wanted to win for the city so bad. They knew game three would really launch them. It didn't. And I could tell by the way they were slamming their backs down as they were not coming through in the clutch time after time. Rondon pops the ball over, runners on base, and he slams his back down because he's like, that was my opportunity to break this game open. And usually in this winning streak they have, but they didn't. And then Brantley scores a 3-1, to one, and it's a 3-1 to one game. Cabrera gets uh, what I thought was going to be a home run to tie the game at three. It was a double. Second and third, they did not score. That was a big key. The fact that they did, they did not score that run was huge. And then right after that, in the top of the sixth, Carino hits a home run. And that game, I, when he hit the home run, even though it was only four to one in the six, I said this game's over. They got him mentally. They did what they had to do. And, and Annabelle Sanchez was hot garbage. He was horrible yesterday. Granky pitched four and two thirds innings. I liked his performance, even though he didn't go five. I like Granky going four and two. He had uh, six strikeouts. He gave up seven hits, but he only gave up a run. James, Peacock, Harris, Smith, and Osuna came in and did their job. They all did their job, and they and they, they really got the Nationals out with a lot of sliders and a lot of breaking balls. They saw how the Nationals pounded the heck out of their fastball, and they made the adjustments. I respect that. I respect how the Astros made the adjustments. A.J. Hinch did not panic. They did the right thing by firing their assistant manager, by taunting the women over the Asuna signing. And even though Asuna had issues with domestic violence, that was disgusting. And they got rid of them quickly. And that's one distraction they got rid of. I respect that. Because they're in the business of winning. And they did that. And they won 4-1. to Now it's potluck. I don't know who's going to pitch game four. It's the bullpen game for Astros. Nationals have Corbin. And Nationals better win this game. This is a game the Nationals got to get. I think Cole will be better at game five. I just think if the Nationals try to get this game, they could close them out. Say, for instance, Astros win, then the Nationals have to get game five, obviously. You don't want to lose all your games at home and go to Houston because that's that'll just be a championship coordination for Houston. But I believe that the Nationals are going to split one of these next two games. They're going to have to go to Houston and gut out of game six against Verlander. You don't want to go to game seven. Um, with Granky pitching, he's pitching a lot better. He pitched pretty good against the Yankees. I thought he was solid last night, getting the outs he had to get. Uh, they were he, they got Soto out. That was big. They got him out with a lot of breaking balls. So going forward, the Nationals have to. They have to relax a little bit. They just look like they were super aggressive, too aggressive, trying to get the win. And, and they were only win for the city. They, uh, the city of Washington hasn't won a baseball championship since 
They were the Washington Senators in 1924. I believe they beat the Pirates. And that was Walter Johnson near the end of his career, finally getting a championship. I'm a baseball historian, so I know this stuff. Um, so, going forward, that's the key. I think it's going to be a split. We're going to go back to Houston for game six. And if you're the Astros, whew, you'll take that to heart. But you'll take sweeping the series and in, in, in Nationals and going and letting Verlander finish with six. But either one of these games you want. But, you know, you – if you lose this game with the bullpen and Cole comes out with a great performance, that's okay. Even if you're down 3-1 and Cole comes back and beats you and, and wins a game five and goes, and now you're going to game six with Verlander, you got momentum going into Houston, and you just got to win two games at home. If the Nationals somehow lose this game tonight, come back and beat up Cole again, they got they have momentum going to Houston. So it, it, it all depends on how we get to Houston game six and, and who has the momentum. That's going to be huge. So tonight's game is big, more bigger, is more important for the Nationals to win tonight. But the Astros, if they don't win, now they got to figure out how to beat Cole again. So this is, this is what makes it more interesting. With the, if the Astros were lost, the series would probably be over tonight. But now you got some drama now because all the road teams have won all the games. And now let's see, let's see if the Nationals could rally at home and win. But the longer the series goes and the further and deeper the series goes, the more it does favor the home team. Like five, six, and seven, usually the home teams win those games. So the Nationals have to take care of business and Somehow, some way, walk into Houston and gut out of game six. Will my prediction will look good? Okay, now we're going to switch to college football. Auburn, LSU. I'm going to break this down. Offense versus defense. LSU has the number two offense in the country. Auburn has the, one of the best defensive front lines and a very good defense, very physical very nasty. They like to intimidate you. They were almost trying to intimidate Florida. Florida was able to get through that. And Bo Nix makes mistakes, which hurt their defense. And they, Florida burned Auburn a little bit in the secondary. I think that's what Burrow has to do. But this is going to be the first game. I believe Joe Burrow gets put on his standing. There's going to be a couple of times where LSU might go three and out. This will be a – even though the game's in Death Valley and LSU, this could be one of those games where they're going to have to punt. And this is where the LSU defense is going to have to confuse Bo Nick. And I think the key for LSU is to continue to show balance. We're talking about Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, listen, Joe Burrow has – he's 173 for 218 total this year. 2,484 yards passing, 29 touchdowns, three interceptions. That's amazing. But what's really helped LSU, and it goes unnoticed, is the running game. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and I hope I pronounced his last name correctly, 
is a bowling ball. He gives you that in-between the tackles running that you need in these games. And now that gives LSU balance. Now we got now we're saying something now. Now LSU can dictate the terms of the game on offense. But Auburn is so good up, up front that they slow that running game down, they're gonna have to. That allows us their defenders like uh Derek Brown and, and his cohorts to come in there and just maul the quarterback. And they just they have a physical, tough, SEC quick tone about them that, that makes them tough. This is a problem about Auburn. They're going on the road. And, and Bo Nix has to play better. Uh, they're going to have to get. Uh, Whitlow's going to have to run better. Their, their top running back is not in the game for Auburn. But Seth Williams, Bo Nix misses, missed a couple of bombs against Florida. Bo Nix when he goes back and he gets the proper coverage, a man coverage, and Stingley's on Williams, and he burns Stingley deep, he's got to hit that. If he doesn't hit that, Auburn's going to get beaten. They might get beat soundly. For LSU, you can't let Gus Malzahn dictate the way the game is going. He runs those sugar huddles, and then it's, it's just that quick pace. And then you see him snapping his finger. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then they're going at a pace. They're moving the ball. They're going down the field. Boom, boom, boom. And you can see Auburn. They're hitting on a roll. That's what Auburn's at its best. Now, can LSU blow that out and slow next down and give him, he's a freshman, give him confusing looks? Because he didn't respond well at all in Florida, and they should have got beat worse. Can he learn from that and go to Death Valley and play better? Definitely is going to be off the charts in Louisiana. I wish I was on the sideline for that game. Now, the next big game is Ohio State and Wisconsin. Wisconsin lost to Illinois. They're saying, well, the experts are saying, well, you know, Wisconsin will bounce back and play better. I don't think it's going to matter. I just don't think it's going to matter. I don't think Jonathan Taylor gets going. They're, they're kind of a one-trick pony. Ohio State will blow that up. Fields and Dobbins. We'll, we'll have a field day. I, I like Ohio State at home. And it's just, I don't think Ohio State's going to play on the Wisconsin Badgers' terms. Wisconsin will battle 24 to 3. They won't get, it'll be a gentleman's blowout. It won't be like 56, like what they're doing recently. Ohio State's throwing up 50 burgers. Because Fields is playing for good. I think it'll be the slow Ohio State got a little. Ohio State will not give up nothing to Wisconsin. They have a pretty good defense. I don't know how good Ohio State is yet because I'm hearing that they should be good from top to bottom. They're the best talented team. From top. I don't know yet. I want to see them beat Penn State badly and then go to Michigan and beat Michigan. And then that'll. I'll, I'll be more satisfied. You don't have a lot of really good games uh, coming up. Alabama's playing Arkansas. They should beat them. Uh, Tua's going to be out. How how long is Tua going to be out? That's the key. Um, and can, can uh, Mac Jones, who was called John McEnroe by Nick Saban, his coach, because of his temper, can he control himself? And they go to Arkansas and take care of business. They're much better in Arkansas, but 
to have a backup quarterback who's volatile. I don't. When I hear the words quarterback and volatile, I don't like that. That 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 I'm getting red flags when I hear that. So I think if Tua, it behooves Tua if he's healthy enough to play against LSU. I can't have if you have Mac Jones against LSU. They should get by Arkansas, but if you have that against LSU, you're probably not going to win. Right, now, before I get into the NF, the NBA, then the, NF, the NFL, then the NBA, this is how I feel about college football. I think eventually, as soon as possible, you need to get 16. I need a 16 playoff. Say, for instance, this year, I would have Ohio State if they take care of business, Oklahoma, Oregon, or the Oregon-Utah winner, the SEC winner, and maybe a second SEC team. And then my sixth team is a wild card. It could be it could be Notre Dame if they have a one loss. It could be an undefeated team that's not in a power five that has a good enough resume that, that gets your attention. Or it could be a second team from the Power Five, but we need six because the way it is now, you're gonna you're gonna have probably Oklahoma, Clemson. I that's right, Clemson would be the team. Oklahoma, Clemson, the Big Ten winner. If Ohio State takes care of business, and then the SEC winner. What if uh, Alabama wins and runs the table? LSU loses by like a field goal to Alabama, and they run the table. Alabama wins the SEC, and they get in. LSU is going to be screaming bloody murder because they're going to say Clemson didn't play anybody. And they're going to say, look at Oklahoma. And Ohio State, that, that would be a good resume. I wouldn't. But that's where I think you got to add more teams because a lot of times there's going to be five or six teams that are deserving of the top four spot not getting in. Now, I'm not feeling sorry about number seven, but if I could get to six, have three, have the first round, have three versus six, four versus five in the first round, then one plays a winner of four and five, two plays a winner of three and six, and that's your semifinal. There's your final four right there. First round tournament, final four, championship. It's that simple. It's It's simple. Sometimes solutions are more simple than than people make it out to be. Now, the NFL, uh, the Eagles, Bills, it, it, you know, this schedule, I look like, yeah, yeah, I look at the teams, I'm like, I don't like this matchup, I don't like this matchup. The Eagles, Bills, I'd be fired up for, but I don't trust the Eagles. The Eagles should win because of the fact that they're more desperate. The Bills are still young, even though they have a great record. They're still developing. Carson Wentz is due. But I don't trust the Eagles. Packers Chiefs. I like the Packers. This is going to be a close game. Even without Mahomes, I, I like the fact, unless Mahomes is playing. If Mahomes is playing, the, uh, the Chiefs are going to win. But I'm not sure about his status. Not really sure at all. But if he doesn't play, I still think because the Chiefs are home, they lean on McCoy, they have to play out. They have to play better defense anyway. Baron Rodgers playing really good. He's got 13 touchdowns, two interceptions, almost 3,000 yards already. 
I just love Aaron Jones, his receiving and his passing. And then Marquez Valdez-Scanling has become a star now, you know. So the Packers are, are bringing it. I, I want to know more about Mahomes. I'm hoping they're not going to play Mahomes. I really, really, really. Matt Moore would be playing. Okay. Yeah, Matt Moore will play, and I, I like their Packers in that game in Kansas City, but Kansas City's going to battle Sunday night. I'm looking forward to how Andy Reid schemes their offense differently than with Mahomes. Uh, he's going to be their quarterback's more of a pocket passer. Maybe they run it a little more. Kelsey gets a little more involved, but they're going to have to play some defense if they, if they want this game to be competitive. I think at home they'll play a little more inspired defensively, but the Packers will win this game. And with the NFL, the Browns play the, the Patriots. The Browns could beat the Patriots. I know it sounds crazy because the Browns are a type of team. They're a hype team. They get hyped up for certain games. In certain games, they don't play as well. I, I, that could be a game where Mayfield actually does play well and Beckham and all those stars play well. I think it's gonna be a roller coaster for the Browns and, and they could be up. It could be a game where the, the Patriots win close or the Browns could outright win. I want to see how Muhammad Sanu fits in this week with the Patriots. But other than that, you're gonna have a, a lot of really good games and America's team is not playing the Cowboys. So this is gonna be very, very, very interesting going forward with there's a lot of great games coming up. Like the Cowboys have to play the Vikings still, the Eagles again, the Bears. You have the Bears and the, and the Cowboys coming playing each other. There's so many good matchups coming for. And you know what? Thanksgiving is not that bad. If the Bills win Sunday and they continue to play this way and they have one or two losses and they're battling the Patriots in first place and they're coming into uh, playing in Jerry's world on Thanksgiving with maybe one loss the Cowboys play and they're in first place. That's a heck of a matchup. Where before you didn't think much of the matchup. The NFL got lucky with that one. Now, the NBA. Let's talk NBA. The LA Lakers beat the Utah Jazz yesterday uh, after getting beat up by the Clippers. That was more yesterday was a more LeBron and A D show. I think the NBA is gonna be more of a league where we're really gonna be focusing on the Clippers and the Lakers and then a little bit of Houston because of Westbrook and and then a little bit of the Sixers. So they're gonna be locked into certain uh showcase teams. And the one showcase team played well yesterday, the Lakers. Uh, LeBron had 32, AD had 21. My only issue with LeBron James is I needed that. As a, I'm a Laker fan. I needed that against Kawhi Leonard. I just felt like you have one of those games where I was listening to Kobe Bryant talk, and he, and he was hurt. They're like, man, you don't want to play until I get this Carter. And Kobe's like, I don't care if I'm hurt or not. I'm playing this game. And he had a big game. That's I needed I need to see more of a dog out of my guy uh against Kawhi Leonard. 
because they, Kawhi Leonard was big in that game. You know, he was big. He had 30 points, five assists, and six rebounds. And Elbon didn't play good in the fourth quarter. And, and AD was guarded well. That's a bad matchup. I, I think it's a bad matchup. I was listening to another Laker fan. He's like, listen, you can't be negative. This one game, I don't like the matchup. Because, see, the nickname of this radio show is AKA Tell the Truth Radio. And I'm going to tell the truth. And sometimes, you know, it, it sounds good. It makes me feel good. Sometimes it doesn't. This one doesn't. I, I don't like the matchup at all. Unless Kyle Kuzma developed into a top 10 all-around player and he's better than Paul George, all right, they're one athlete short. Like if they were able to keep Alonzo Ball in the deal, I got somebody that can guard all the guards now. Now I can go to war with that team. I just don't know if they have enough athletes. They got great. LA has a great veteran. The Clippers are, are, are solid. They play good defense. Their defense will travel. My only issue is Patrick Beverly running his mouth. There's two games in the season, and he was trashing it and the Warriors, and he was telling a lot of lies, flat out lies. Oh, you cheated to win. They did not cheat to win. They drafted. Clay Thompson and Steph Curry and Draymond Green, and they put in the work. They played good team defense. They played good team offense, and they took care of business and won three championships. They picked up Kevin Durant as a free agent. They they worked the system and got Durant and won an NBA championship. So you're you're talking like a complete idiot and a moron, and he's a Patrick Bell is a great defensive player, and, and, and his ability to be an irritant like Rodman was, I get it. That's how he makes his bones in the NBA. I got it. But he is a moron as a person. He's a moron. And I guess that fuels him. Being a moron, that's, that's his shtick. Okay, I got it. But that's a lie. You don't sit there and talk about another organization saying you cheated to win when, when there was nothing controversial about that. The Gold State did what they were supposed to do, and they were well run. Now, the Clippers, my message to Patrick Belli is you need to win, not this year, you need to win about two to three championships if you want that town to be a Clippers town. One championship is not enough. There's a lot of work to be done. You have to win one. If you have, like if, if say for instance, Patrick Belli has two or three championship rings, you know, you could talk. But that's overdoing it after week two. And he seems like one of those guys that's going to be kicking it into front-running gear whenever the good times are rolling. And that, that'll, be, that'll be annoying watching that. But the rest of the team, I love Harold. I love, I love that. I love how Doc's going to coach them up. They're, they're solid. They're solid from top to bottom. I love Milwaukee. I need to see a freak and get a jump shot. I need to see what the Sixers have been sending us to shoot. Shooters are going to be important. The Sixers in Milwaukee are the best team in the East, but they don't have the shooting. If Kevin Durant was healthy, Brooklyn could, could come out of the East. So there you have it. That's the landscape of sports all in a 30-minute nutshell.